message this morning will be a table in the wilderness. A table in the wilderness. We've enjoyed this series of messages through the book of Exodus, this great journey of redemption. And we've made it to the time of the wilderness wanderings, this time where God would test and prove his people and sanctify them and prepare them for the promised land. And so we want to pick up where we left off after God had healed the waters of Marah and blessed them to come into that wonderful oasis of Elam, and they camped there, but then it was time for them to continue on their journey. I want to remind you all this morning that there's no reverse in life. Amen. There's no gear called reverse for life. We must go forward trusting the Lord. So read this with me. Try to, uh, through, through the Spirit and through your faith, put yourself in this story. See God. See Christ. See your own experience of salvation as we read God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Exodus chapter 16. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, and we and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At evening, then shall ye know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then shall ye see the glory of the Lord, for, he, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto the, all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, this is the table of the wilderness, the face, if you want to highlight that, that 
Upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man, according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the, is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that which will seethe, and that which remaineth overlay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up to the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot, and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. Now listen to this. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years, until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. May the Lord bless even the very reading of his word. So what is this passage about? Truly, it is about that we shouldn't complain and murmur against God. Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's never good. It never turns out good. Try to put away all uh, clamoring and, and bitterness and murmuring 
from your heart and life and lips as a, as a child of God and be full of thanks and gratitude uh, before the Lord. For great are His gifts unto us. And has been, as has been said today, we have it far better than we could ever hope to deserve. But this is about God as well. And the great question, can God provide for me? Is God and what God provide enough for me? Or do I need in some way to be my own deliverer or deliver myself? I remember in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. After that he was baptized, immediately the Spirit led him where? Into the wilderness, right? And there he was tested, there he was proved, there he was tempted for 40 days. And isn't it interesting, the first thing that the devil came, when he came to personally tempt Jesus Christ, the first thing that he tempted him was with food, with bread, because Jesus hungered. And the devil said, see, here's this stone, turn this stone into what? Into bread. He said, just deliver yourself. But it is so amazing, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, he is your manna today. All of this, the, the story of the manna, if you can look through there and, and you would pray with me even now, Lord, reveal Christ to me in the manna. There's so many beautiful, it's a sermon in and of itself, how the manna represents the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our manna. But Jesus said, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so even Jesus was tested with, with hunger, and God's people are being tested. I love that song that we sang and that Sister Avis called out again. I think that the Spirit was in that, Sister Avis, because in that song she says, uh, Feed me with, feed me with the living bread. And that is so important for us to learn how to daily feed upon Christ and to uh, feast upon Him spiritually. And Jesus said, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. But if he that eateth of me, which is to believe in Him and to trust in Him as sufficient for salvation and for all things in life, He said, He'll never hunger. He'll never, he'll never die. And so we see this beautiful table that is spread in the wilderness. But I wanted you to see in uh, Psalm 78 where we have a commentary on God's dealings with His people uh, in the Exodus and in the wanderings in the wilderness because the expression that we have taken for the title of our message and that we saw where the dew was, it was on the face of the wilderness, on the table of the wilderness. It's, it's mentioned here, and also commentary is made here about God dealing with His people. Are you with me in Psalm 78? Look in verse 17 through 19. And they sinned yet more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. Remember how the deceptive that they were? 
because they wanted to act like that they weren't speaking against God, right? They came against God's leadership. They came against God's men and said, would to God, hallelujah, that God doesn't always give us what we ask for because we ask for the wrong thing so many times. They said, would to God, we had died in Egypt. Well, And then they romanticized their past, right? Wasn't it just a few chapters ago they were pleading and begging with God about how bitter their bondage were that anything well, was better than uh, being under these taskmasters and making these bricks. But now they've had experienced a little bit of hardship in the wilderness. And now they have romanticized their slavery and their past, asking uh, to go back and be under the hand of Pharaoh who would have killed them and destroyed them. But notice that they tried to deceive and say, uh, Oh, we're not, we're not questioning God. We're questioning Moses and Aaron. Why have you brought us out here uh, to die in this wilderness? It's you guys that have done this. But Moses and Aaron, they said, look, this, it wasn't us that brought you out. It was God that brought you out. And it is God that you must look to. And your murmurings aren't against us. Your murmurings are against God. And the commentary in Psalm 78 says that. It says, Yea, they spake against God, they said, and here it is, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And that's a question that we all must answer by faith. Can God provide for me? If I will tell you, it's hard sometimes as a pastor and a leader to see the needs that are even in your own congregation or to hear uh, these that we love in Africa crying out, you know, we're hungry, we're sick. Um, so many just basic necessities of life that plague them constantly. And, and uh, you know, to know in and of yourself, I can never meet all of these needs. Here are two million uh, people that need to be fed. You remember even in the ministry of Jesus and the multitude started to come to be around Jesus, to experience this healing, to hear him preach. And they came into that wilderness place. And the disciples said, Lord, how are we going to feed all these people? Because we don't have enough. And Jesus said, but what do we have? And he took the loaves of the fishes and he fed the 5,000, and here the question is, can the Lord, what, what they were doing, they weren't even asking really, it, it's kind of a rhetorical question. It, it, it even looks like that the question is better than it actually is because they weren't saying, Lord, we need you to prepare a table for us, but what they're basically saying is, God, can't, you can't do this. You can't be uh, depended on. And so has the lie of the devil been from the very beginning. But God has always had a table, beloved. And I love what the old Syrophoenician woman said. Remember how great her need was for her daughter? I believe the scripture says she had spent all of her substance that she had had and nobody was able to help that Syrophoenician woman. And here was this man, Jesus, who people said was a healer. He that had what she stood in need of. And she came to his disciples. And, and they said quit 
bothering us. And it was so much, it's kind of like the, uh, remember the, the, the widow that just kept asking for her needs to be met. Jesus said, finally, what does this woman want? And she brought her need to the Lord. And the Lord, to prove her and to bring her faith out even the more than it was, had already been expressed. He said, is it meat to take the children's bread and to give it unto dogs? Oh, but I love the faith of that woman. And she said, Lord, yay. Yes, I'm a dog. She said, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And oh, how Jesus responded to her faith and blessed her. What is, what's on your table? Whose table are you and I at uh, today? God has always had a table. I think of just about even the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments themselves were carved on what? Two tables of stone. In the tabernacle and in the temple, God gave specific instructions for a table to be made that would dwell always at the table of His presence to dwell before Him. And on that table, there was always shoe bread, the shoe bread that David ate of when he had to run from Saul and gain strength from. That, that shoe bread that always was a testimony that there is food in the house of the Lord. There is provision at God's table. I always think about the king's table there in the times of David where he would feed the people and even lame Mephibosheth, the descendant of David's arch enemy, was allowed to come and he had a portion at the king's table. And I think about the table of our Lord, the Lord's table. Is there a table in this place today? Yes. And it is overflowing with the provision of God. And so that's what this story, that's what this manna and the giving of this manna is all about. It's answering that question, can God provide? And what they were saying was he can't do it. But God would reveal to him, to them, that he could. Not only for one night, Brother Andy. Not only one, for one day. But every day except Saturday, right, for 40 years. And he made sure on Friday that double was given. Isn't this amazing? He did this for them for 40 years. So I ask you today, whatever it is that maybe you have that little bit of doubt, maybe can God provide for me a godly husband? Can God uh, provide for me in my old age? Am I going to be able to make it all the way uh, to the end? Can, can God uh, take care of these uh, situations at my, at my work or in my marriage or with my children? Beloved, God can provide. Look to the glory of the Lord as they did. And know that God never fails to provide what His children need. Isn't that wonderful? So this table in the wilderness. Let's, let's look at this. I can't exegete uh, every verse. If uh, you want to highlight some verses for study, I wanted to do this at the start. They're, they're kind of the verses in here that I'm just going to tell you real quick. 
to me are, are the ones that kind of stood out to me as I studied this passage. Uh, verse 4 was to me a huge verse. 10, 11, and 12. Of course, 14 I mentioned. Verse 28 and then 32 through 35. The, those, those are what the the um, force, uh, force of the message that God has, has put on my heart. That's where they're at. Of course, all of them are important. And beloved, there's, there's so much uh, in this uh, chapter. It could be a year's worth of sermons, really. That's how powerful packed that it is. But just four things that I want us to look at together that I think that will be so good for our comfort, our instruction, our learning, and for our glory in the Lord. Number one, this table in the wilderness was a table of testing. Would you agree with me about that? This was a table of testing. Now, we all have our tables in our homes, don't we? I want you to think about when you were growing up, the the family table. Oh, I don't for all every every Pitney kid, they knew that was a table of testing. <laughs> you had to, you learn how to learn how to sit up. You had to learn how to use manners. Uh, you had to learn how to be very careful about how much food that you put on your plate because whatever food you put on your plate, it had to be gone. You had to make sure that you told mama before you left that table that you appreciated uh, what she cooked uh, and that it was good. <laughs> there might be a little lying going on there sometimes, but most times that was the absolute truth. You even had to ask permission from daddy if you could leave the table or not. There's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of training that's not being done anymore in our day that needs to be got back to at the table. And the Lord knows this with his children. He's our father, and we're his children. And we've come, and we come to his table, and it is a table of testing. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is called the book of the second law. It's kind of like that the Holy Spirit uh, elaborated on a lot of what was taught and experienced in the book of Exodus. And it's called second law because in it we have the second listing of the Torah, of God's law, of the Ten Commandments. But I just want you to look at this because I think it's powerful as we think about this table of testing, this trial that God's ex people experienced of hunger and of needing uh, to look to God for provision. Deuteronomy chapter 8, are you with me? Beginning in verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Why? Why? Because God is worthy to be obeyed? Yes. Amen. I ask you today, is God worthy to be trusted and to be obeyed? Yes, He is, first and foremost. Uh, now, sometimes we could look at our fathers and our mothers, and they're sinners. And sometimes we could... Uh, maybe wrongly justify in our minds not following what they say because of some sin that we see in them or some wrong judgment on their part. But we can never say that of God our Father. Father always knows best. God should be obeyed just because He is worthy to be obeyed, number one. But the purpose of the Torah, which is 
uh, awesome word in uh, Jewish history. Uh, even the Torah is called, uh, the whole first five books of the Bible are often just referred to as Torah, God's law, God's instruction. But I want you to understand, just like we talked about God's great grace and God showing grace to us and us knowing the grace of God, that is not antinomian. It, is not, it does not mean lawlessness. It does not mean that. But, but what grace does is it shows us that even though we fall short of all of that, yet God still loves us and still receives us because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Torah is, was gracious instruction on how to find God's blessing. And so that's what God is saying here. He says, why do I give you these commandments that, that you observe and do? That ye may live. Apostle Paul said the law is good. Right? And multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. God is preparing them for their future. The children of, of Israel at this time in their need, in their trial, they forgot the future that they were headed toward. Does that happen to us sometimes too? Right? So, and don't let our God be our belly, right? Now, verse 2. Are you still with me in Deuteronomy 8? And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And we talked about this last time, about the reason for the wilderness wanderings, the reason for the trials and tests in your life and in mine, to humble thee, to humble thee. Beloved, our lives are not so much about, am I going to have a good day or it, Am I happy and is everything good in my life? Our lives are about the glory of God, of God being glorified through us and us being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the main impetus of our lives. We, Christianity has, has uh, you know, misconstrued that in what we would call modern Christianity. We think it's all about us. But I led thee in the 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to what? To prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. That's why it's called manna. What man, the word manna means, what is it? They saw it on the ground, beloved, and they said, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. But isn't that also a beautiful picture of how manna is like unto Jesus Christ? That when we would see him just with the eye of flesh, unless it was revealed, unless he was revealed to us and who he truly is and what he has truly done, we would say just like that, what is it? We wouldn't know, Right? unless the Spirit revealed him to us in a saving way. He said, They neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know. And here's what Jesus quoted to the devil. That man doth not live by bread only, 
But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Well, hallelujah. It was a table of testing. It's part of our sanctification. So here it is. Will I follow God even when doing so is difficult? There's the challenge. There's the test. There's the, the proving that we will experience throughout our lives. It's easy to follow God, to praise God, uh, to serve God when things are good and going good in our lives. But what about when the going gets rough? Will I follow God? Or will I whine after the world like they did here? They were whining after the world, right? Oh, would that they, they said, could we just be back in Egypt where we had these pots of flesh? These it sounds gross to me, <laughs> but apparently they they had uh, these big cauldrons uh, where uh, you know they were boiling meat and they could uh, receive from that. They said we wish that we had this bread to the full, and now look. We're in this wilderness and, and we're hungry. They were tested. Well, we're tested. Are we going to whine after the world? Are we going to be ruled by our flesh? So then the question for you, the question for me, is how is God testing me? How is God testing you right now? What's on the table? Is it something that you don't want to eat, but you need to because it's good for you? Right? Is, it, is he testing you through your temper? Is he testing you through the priorities that you're setting in your life? Is he testing you through having to learn how to wait patiently for him and provision uh, for certain things that maybe your heart desires? There's so many tests, aren't they? How is God testing me? Am I learning to not whine and pine after the world like, like Israel did. Israel wanted to play the blame game, didn't they? They wanted to play the blame game. They, they wanted to blame somebody else. They wanted somebody else to make things better for them. Israel wanted to play the, games, not the, the, the blame game, and they lost sight of their future and how quickly it happens to us at the table of testing so they were they were tested here you and I are being tested may we learn to say Lord whatever that you think is what's best Lord I know that even though it's it's hurting right now that you have you have purposes and you're going to make it beautiful in your time and and I can depend on you, Lord, instead of trying to run out and get ahead of God in our lives and messing everything up. Wouldn't it have been terrible here for the people of God to revolt and to try to go back to Egypt? But that's what was in their heart to do. But hallelujah for Moses and Aaron. Hallelujah uh, for the Lord that he loves us with a love that will not let us go, right? He hears if I'm God here, I'm just telling you, this is it's so good that I'm not God. 
because I, if I'd have heard them murmuring and complaining after what I had just done for them in the Red Sea, after what I had just done for them at the waters of Mara, and I just led them, and then I had them for a long time, basically at a little oasis in paradise, and now it's just a month out. That, that, that's a, it's just a month out from their bondage. And they're murmuring and complaining, saying that they would rather be uh, back there uh, building the bricks and not being able to be free. I would have just wiped them out. I'd just been like, I've, had, I've already had enough of you. And remember that one time God said, I'm going to destroy this people. Do you all remember that? And how Moses interceded for them and said, God, please, you know, uh, don't do this. But oh, the nature of God, when they murmur and complain, God hears that. And instead of sending fiery serpents among them to bite all the complainers, he says, I'm going to show them how much I can uh, provide and how much that they can trust me. I'm going to show them how much that I love them. And that's what the table of testing is all about. And that's part of what they were supposed to learn in this moment. Now, secondly, secondly, quickly, it's a table of timing. And that's where a lot of our testing comes in life, isn't it? Of waiting, of trusting, of of waiting on God on, on His time. I ask you, is God ever late? <laughs> no, God's never late. But I tell you, nothing is going to happen until God is ready for it to happen. I, I've wanted revival all of my life. And I've prayed for, for revival most of my adult uh, life. I would say up to 30 years, 31 years now, I've prayed for revival every day. But revival won't come until God's ready to give it. A table of timing. Did you notice through here all the uh, references to sequences of time? Did you even notice that? It's, it's days. It's months. It's years. It's morning. It's evening. On and on again, there are 30 references to all these time signatures but it is all culminating in verse 28 which we need to look back again because this is the time and the thing that we need to focus on more than when is God going to do this and when is God going to do that the question that we really need to be asking myself that you need to be asking yourself is when am I when am I going to be serious about really obeying the Lord like he's worthy of and he deserves because there's all these references to time through here these 40 years uh this uh month that now that they're away from egypt all this is mentioned but then god says verse 28 and here's the big question how and the lord said unto moses how long are you going to refuse to keep my laws to keep my commandments and my laws, my gracious instruction that is going to lead you to my blessing. That's the focus that you really need uh, to have in your life. So the question 
for us here in this the table of this this timing i love how it is expressed in the book of ecclesiastes let's remind ourselves of this turn with me there to the book of ecclesiastes it's right after the book of proverbs this is wisdom literature it has so much to say about time doesn't it and about god's timing and and there's a time for everything i love these thoughts here and we need to remind ourselves of this in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 he hath made everything beautiful when you wanted it that way oh no no oh beloved i'm not gonna lie to you sometimes it's hard to wait it's one of the most difficult things especially for me uh, to endure and and to do i i want it and i want it now that's the kind of person that i am but to learn this in life that he hath made everything beautiful in his time also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that god maketh from the beginning to the end but look beloved in verse 17 and i said in my heart god shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Can you honor God when it comes to time and to timing? Can God be trusted when it comes to timing? Beloved, even Jesus Christ himself, the Lord of glory, was made subject to time, was he not? Remember, oftentimes there were people that around him that wanted to push, push the agenda ahead of schedule, Right? Let's go ahead and make him king. But Jesus said, my time has not yet come. He was subject to time. He came in the fullness of time. And he knew when his hour, he knew even when his very hour was at hand. Beloved, trust God and God's format in your life. Always remember, like we have said earlier, that there is no reverse in life. It's trusting God. It's, it's moving forward. It's realizing that moments matter. Moments matter. Always love this that somebody told me one time. They asked me this question. They said, what's the most important thing on a tombstone? Is it the person's name? Is it their epitaph? Is it the... The, the date that they were born or the date that they died? And the answer is that none of those things are the most important thing. The most important thing is that dash that's in between because it represents your life and the moments of your life. This was them learning how to trust God, to trust God for His timing and His way. He said, it's going to in the night... I'm going to bring, he said, you're going to find quail. This is amazing, isn't it? In the, and, and it's a true scientific fact that over this Sinai Peninsula is the migration of quail. And God in his power caused the quail to migrate right where the children of Israel were and to just fall out enough to feed two million people had quail for supper. And he said that it was in the morning 
It was in the morning time that they found the manna. And then there was more instruction about the timing, right? He's, and, and about the, the quality of what that they were to do every day. Uh, and then on Friday, that they were to use that time wisely to gather up enough so that they could rest on the Sabbath because there wasn't going to be that provision there. Moments matter. And this is an important part of heeding God's instruction, of realizing and trusting God's commandments and God's ways for our life. They are His gracious instruction on how we are able to find the blessings of God. So do you see that this morning? That not only was this a, a table of testing, but it was a table of timing as well. And a lot of your life and of my life is going to be about timing. Thirdly, thirdly, it was a table of trusting. It was a table of trusting. By the way we live our lives, we reveal our dependence upon Jesus Christ. We must pray for and seek for our daily bread and feast upon Him. For 40 years, it is said that God provided this manna. And every day, there was work to be done. Every day, there was difficulty to be faced. Every day, though, they found the fresh supply. They learned how to trust God. They learned how to trust the blesser and not the blessing. How to uh, be thankful for the giver even more than the gift. God is, is showing them here, if you can't handle the manna, how are you going to handle a land that flows with milk and honey? Go with me to Psalm 112 as we think about this table of testing can god said that the they thought that the thing was can we trust god god says can i trust you can i trust you psalm 112 can god trust you can god trust me we know that we can trust him but can he trust us as well. Psalm 112, beloved, here is a great verse <clears throat> in this beautiful verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Is that you? Today, is that me? Whatever evil tidings are coming to us, out of Washington or out of Jackson or out of the economy or out of world events, beloved, is our heart fixed that we trust in the Lord? Even, even if, if we felt hunger, could we believe and trust that God is able to provide for us? Beloved, I, I hope we can. I hope that we see that God is able to provide, that we can trust Him. Lastly, as we close, a table of thankfulness. A table of thankfulness. Thankfulness prevents murmuring. 
Thankfulness prevents complaining. I love what Paul said in the book of Colossians. Uh, he said this to the people of his day, and people of every day need uh, to hear it. The book of Colossians, chapter 3. Speaking of thankfulness, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye what? And be ye thankful. And so... What should we be thankful for in Exodus 16? How about thankful that God blesses us more than we could ever deserve? Not only does he give them the manna, he gives it to them for 40 years. Not only does he give them manna, he gives them quail as well. Thankful that God doesn't always give us what we ask for, right? But he gives us a lot better even than we ask for if we trust him. Thankful for God's glory that supersedes my good but corresponds with it in my life. But thankful most of all for Christ. And I want us for just a little while, like we said, this could be a sermon in and of itself, to think about how the manna gives us a picture of Christ. First, where did the manna come from? came from heaven right came from heaven to the wilderness and it was just a little thing just like we learned last week the humble beginnings of the Lord Jesus Christ it was white which speaks to the, the purity the holiness of Christ but one of the things that touches me the most is the way that, that God did the manna. That he, he didn't bring the manna from the dust. The manna came and was connected to the dew. And when the dew disappeared, the manna was there, and it was unsullied by the earth. You know, usually you don't eat anything that you pick up off the ground, even with the three-second rule, right? But... But here for 40 years, they were able to go and pick up this bread, this that the Bible said was angels' food, right? He said he called it angels' food. They were able to pick it up, and it was uncontaminated. And how that speaks to the, the body of Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life, that he came from heaven. Although he dwelt upon the earth, yet he was unsullied by the earth. How about for those of us who understand electing love and grace that the manna was only given to the children of Israel and for, and for them. There were other people that lived around in the wilderness, but the manna was only given just as Christ is only given for his people. Oh, beloved, it, it's so, and it says to me, this is one of the most precious ones, and that it says that when they ate it, it was sweet. Oh, the sweetness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read 
in the book of the Song of Solomon, how that he is, he is said to, to be that sweet and beyond sweet. And so, beloved, be thankful for Christ, the bread of life, your manna that you can go and find every morning and come to. And it said that some gathered more than others, right? Well, let us be of those that gather more. But even though that gather little, it said that they, they had all that they, that they needed. As a Christian, I can trust that I will never lack any good thing when I walk uprightly. Obedience will always bring blessing into your life. So, one of the things, as, as we close, I want to close in Psalms. If you'll turn with me to our last, for our last verse, Psalm 84. If you'll join me there. Psalm 84. I think that it's important for us to all also think about this in regards to the manna is that each person had to gather what they needed for themselves, right? The manna was provided. It was there. There, there the grace was. There the manna was. But by faith, the Israelites had to go out and gather, gather it unto themselves. And so it is, beloved, for you today. Nobody can believe in Jesus for you. Nobody can gather him into your heart for you. It must be the work of the Holy Spirit within you, drawing you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, you appropriate God's greatest gift into your life by the grace of God. May it be so for you and for me today. Psalm 84:11 For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. May the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.